Much of the debate surrounding lethal injection and its role as a form of capital punishment in the United States stems from concerns about how humane the practice is and whether it engenders a degree of unnecessary suffering. And it's impossible to truly weigh the ethical considerations of the procedure against the need for justice without first understanding how the procedure is carried out. So it's worth asking what the process of carrying out a lethal injection actually entails. How did the practice arise, and what role, if any, should healthcare professionals play? We've got some answers to those questions coming up in just a few moments. You're listening to ReachMD Radio, XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Focus on Pharmacy. I'm your host, Dr. Charles Turk, PharmD. Our guest is Dr. Frank Romanelli, PharmD, Assistant Dean of Education at the University of Kentucky College of Pharmacy. Also an associate professor, Dr. Romanelli is consistently voted the outstanding faculty member by the College of Pharmacy's graduating class each year. Dr. Romanelli recently authored a review article published in the journal Pharmacotherapy about the concerns and controversies surrounding lethal injection as a method of capital punishment in the U.S. Dr. Romanelli, welcome to the program. Thank you, sir. I thought I'd start out by asking if you might provide a brief history of the practice of lethal injection. Sure. It was actually proposed in the late 1800s as really a means of more humane execution. Typically, you know, we're we're very familiar with electrocution, hanging, toxic gassing as various means of capital punishment, and lethal injection was originally proposed as a theoretically more humane means of capital punishment. In the U.S., it really came into practice beginning in the late 70s when a, a physician by the name of Chapman proposed the Chapman Protocol, which is the protocol that many modern-day lethal injection procedures follow in the United States today. So in terms of, of lethal injections place among uh, different forms of capital punishment in the U.S., how frequently does it occur? Well, since 2005, it's almost become the exclusive means of lethal injection in this country. Of all the states that do take part in capital punishment, all of them utilize lethal injection or the option for lethal injection versus something like electrocution, which prisoners, for instance, in in certain states, prisoners can choose between electrocution and lethal injection. But most states by far today employ lethal injection as the sole means. How does the cocktail used in contemporary lethal injections differ from when the practice was first introduced? Actually, it's not very different. Some of the individual agents may be different than the original protocol. Some of the dosages of the drugs may be slightly different, but it really has its roots in anesthesiology. And then if you look at two of the three drugs that are typically used in lethal injection, they are drugs that are used to induce anesthesia. Just in lethal injection, they're employed at very exaggerated doses. So these are drugs that are typically being used every day by anesthesiologists that for lethal injection are used in, in higher dosages. And which drugs are, are the ones that we're talking about? The one thing to just realize is I can tell you typical drugs that are used. One of the problems about getting your hands around lethal injection is that most states are very protective of their protocols. Usually that's to protect the executioner, the execution team, and to sort of keep the whole process shroud in a little bit of secrecy. But typically, from what we know, most protocols involve three drugs, usually thiopental, which is a barbiturate induction agent, a sedative hypnotic, pancuronium, which is a neuromuscular blocker, paralyzes the diaphragm, paralyzes skeletal muscle, and potassium chloride, which is a paralytic to the myocardium. 
And about how much higher are the doses uh, of those drugs used in lethal injection as compared to what's used in common medical practice? Well, for thiopental, the typical induction dose in a 70-kilogram adult is about 210 to 350 milligrams. Typically, most protocols involve somewhere around 3 to 5 grams of thiopental. Pancuronium, typical dose for anesthesia is around 14 milligrams. Most lethal injection protocols use anywhere from 50 to 100 milligrams. Potassium, potassium is kind of different because we don't really bolus dose it. Potassium is usually 10 to 20 MEQs per hour if we're trying to replace potassium. In a clinical setting, typically in lethal injection protocols, we're talking somewhere around 100 MEQs of potassium as a single bolus, undiluted. So a lot of times we're talking about you know, roughly about a tenfold increased dose. Exactly. For those listeners who are less familiar, would you describe how a typical lethal injection procedure is carried out? Sure. Typically, the condemned individual is strapped to a gurney and two IV cannulas are inserted and a lethal injection drip is started. The reason that two cannulas are used is one is a backup, one is the primary drug delivery cannula. The IV set is hooked up to a apparatus that will deliver the lethal injections. And usually there's the actual apparatus is some distance away from the gurney, behind a curtain, behind some type of screen where the execution team will activate the drug delivery device. So typically what happens once the condemned individual is cannulas are placed, the saline is running, the warden indicates that the procedure can take place, is the device will be activated, and that device will sequentially deliver those three medications. And typically the thiopental is delivered first, the pancuronium is delivered second, and the potassium is delivered third. And the rationale behind that is that thiopental serves to sedate the patient, basically bring about a loss of consciousness. The pancuronium will then paralyze the patient, and the uh, potassium will stop the heart. How rapid is the succession of going from one drug to the next? Depending on... Each state's protocol, it's difficult to say. Typically, they're going in one at a time within minutes. Some states call for saline flushes between each of the drug deliveries, so that would slow things down a little bit, but they're typically going in one after another. Some states require some sort of assessment of consciousness after the thiopental before the pancuronium and the potassium are delivered, so that would delay it a bit. On average, what you'll see in the literature is most lethal injection procedures from the activation of the device until the patient expires take anywhere from 18 to 25 minutes. And that's actually, if you look at all other forms of capital punishment, probably one of the longest procedures for conducting capital punishment. Does a a prisoner's response to the medication that's being administered impact subsequent medication administration? Only in the instance of thiopental in some protocols. There are a couple of states whose protocols sort of call for thiopental to be administered, and if the initial dose of thiopental does not lead to sufficient loss of consciousness, then a second dose of thiopental can be administered before proceeding. Now, some of the problems with that is usually it's a prison official that's assessing consciousness. And some of the questions people have raised is, how does the warden assess consciousness? Are they trained to assess consciousness? But that's really the only instance when really the response will dictate additional doses of the drug. Now, if the entire three-dose protocol 
is unsuccessful in causing the patient to expire, and then some states will call for the procedure to begin again with the second dose of each of the three agents. But that's very, very rare. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Focus on Pharmacy on ReachMD Radio, XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Charles Turk. Our guest is Dr. Frank Romanelli, Assistant Dean and Associate Professor of Pharmacy at the University of Kentucky College of Pharmacy. We're discussing issues that come up during the lethal injection of drugs as a means of capital punishment in the U.S., uh, Dr. Romanelli, although lethal injection might be considered more humane than other forms of execution that have been used in the past, is it immune to controversy? No. In the last two years, it's been an extremely controversial area. Basically, most of it centers around, is it truly more humane than the other forms of capital punishment? Or does it simply cast an appearance of being more humane than the other types of capital punishment? And several folks have raised several potential deficiencies in lethal injection as a form of capital punishment. For those who have challenged lethal injection's place as a mode of capital punishment, what's the substance of their arguments then? Most of the challenges center around the three-drug cocktail, either the doses used in the three-drug cocktail or the qualifications of those that are administering the three-drug protocol. Some folks have cited the fact that these may be exaggerated doses, but they're not weight-based. And could the weight of a patient impact the effect of the drugs? Uh, Typically, when we dose drugs and when we dose drugs for anesthesia, we base it on milligrams per kilo. In in these situations, we are using very exaggerated doses, but if a patient was obese, would that mean that we need to use more thiopental? And there's actually a case in Ohio where a prisoner was fighting his sentence based on the fact that he was an obese patient and was saying he was too big for this protocol to work, that it protocol doesn't fit all patients. So that's been cited. The the fact that thiopental has sort of a biphasic kinetics, which means it rapidly diffuses into the central nervous system, causes loss of consciousness, but then quickly diffuses out. And is there a potential for during the outward diffusion of the thiopental that the patient might regain consciousness? In anesthesia, we give a bolus dose and then we continue to induce the patient so that would never occur. So that sort of issue's been raised, and this is sort of all in the context of, you know, the use of pancuronium would paralyze the patient. So once the pancuronium is administered, we really have no way of visually knowing if the patient is in any type of pain. What of the risk of extravasation of drugs, given that the patients are paralyzed, presumably by the time extravasation comes to pass, or at least by the time it comes to manifest, or typically would in a patient that's not paralyzed, how do you know if it's occurred? And that's the whole other set of issues folks have raised are the, sort of the physical barriers to lethal injection. Most of the times, these procedures are being carried out in execution chambers that have been refitted. So it was originally an electric chair or originally a gas chamber that's sort of been refitted to be a lethal injection death chamber. And sometimes there's physical aspects. So the distance between the gurney and the execution room means long tubing. Does a long tubing, there can be kinks in the tubing, there's an increased propensity for drug contact in the tubing where you can have precipitate of the drug, and then again, the issue you raise with extravitization, where the needle's inserted properly. If the needles haven't been inserted properly, you've got a risk of extravitization, which isn't always obvious to those that are administering the drugs. And in fact, there was a case in Florida where it took a greatly exaggerated period of time to carry out a protocol 
where a patient who'd been condemned was not expiring despite administration of all three drugs. And they went on to find out that the uh, line was extravasated, and that was the reason that the patient's death was significantly delayed. Only one of those drugs, pancuronium, really has any significant absorption subcutaneously. So in that case, in all likelihood, death came from paralysis alone, and you would have to question whether or not the patient had lost consciousness. Given the potential concerns that may occur during lethal projection procedures, uh, why don't we just say throw large doses of analgesics into the mix and, and call it a day? Do you think that that might answer at least some of the concerns that some critics of the procedure have? It might. Some people have talked about different analgesics, and certainly we need to remember that the Chapman Protocol was really first introduced in 1977, or proposed in 1977. And since that time, we have a number of new drugs, new narcotics, new sedative analgesics that might play a role in lethal injection in either alleviating the pain or the patient's state of consciousness. So, Yes, there's a a potential for new drugs, and and many of the folks that cite deficiencies with lethal injection point at the fact that no one has really reevaluated the protocol since it was first proposed. Aside from the legal controversies that have arisen during lethal injections, tenure is a mode of capital punishment, what are some of the ethical concerns that are raised by the idea of healthcare professionals participating in the procedure? Yeah, well, there's this whole phenomenon of folks talking about medicalization of capital punishment. You know, in the broadest sense, we're talking about needles, cannulas, gurneys, aseptic technique, drugs. All these things really were originally designed to preserve life. Now we're taking a lot of these instruments and medications and things that belong within the realm of medicine and applying them to the context of state-induced death, capital punishment, And many folks sort of have a problem with the blurring of the lines between what is medicine and what is not medicine. You know, it raises the whole issue of medical professionals being involved. Should they be involved? Should physicians and other clinicians be involved from the standpoint of we have the best knowledge of these these drugs and these procedures, and if the patient's going to be killed, should it be as humane as possible? And you have folks on both sides of that argument. We've been talking with Dr. Frank Romanelli about the controversies and ethical issues surrounding lethal injections role as a part of capital punishment in the U.S. Dr. Romanelli, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. I'm Dr. Charles Turk. You've been listening to Focus on Pharmacy on ReachMD Radio, XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD Online, on demand and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and thank you for listening.